Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly—it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com/slash/ai-for-all. I think the first sour beer I ever had was probably a Bud Light that I thought was mine, and actually just was left over from the night before. <laughs> the Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. They're everywhere. We're back. It's that time. Back on the Sour Hour Brewing Network. I'm your host, Jay, in the Brewing Network studios in downtown Concord, here with Bevo. Hey, Bevo. Hi. 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 And Scott. Hi. Hi. Tonight's guest, JC Tetwal. It's not even close. <laughs> Tetro. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I had that. Uh, owner, brewer, Trillium Brewing Company, one of the best breweries in the world. And if you don't believe me, just Google it. It's, it's a it fact. Up, man. Just yeah, look just it look it up. Uh, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've done my job. If you want to also feel uncomfortable, call us, 888-401-BEER. Join us in the chat. Email us, scott at thebrewingnetwork.com, jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. Watch us, Brewing Network, thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV. Listen live, the Brewing Network app, search BM Mobile. And I'll tell you what else to do in the next segment because we're going to do our whole. I'm just going to tease it out. I'm not going to tell you. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'll tell you, if you were watching brewingnetwork.com slash TV, you would see Bebo pulling her hair into a tight ponytail. High and tight. Bun. Bun. High bun. bun. Yeah. What are you doing over there? I'm hungry. I'm going to go get some food. Oh, I'll okay. be right back. And I also just had this really weird craving for a Bud Light, so. <laughs> awesome. Bring bring me one. Let it sit and then bring it to me, too. Please. Make sure there's some Thank cigarette you. butts in it, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. man. That's the worst. <laughs> the Bud Light Astro. I've never done it myself, but I've seen someone else do it. And, uh... Just like instant vomit. Yeah. Oh, the the instant vomit is the person who doesn't realize it's an ashtray and goes to take a hit off of it. Yeah. Oh, By the way, if you're ever in prison, <laughs> as Bevo leaves the room. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying in general, if anyone... If Sam's ever in prison, Bev, you yeah. might want to hear this bit of advice. So they trade cigarettes, right? And you, what you do is you, you eat the cigarette... And it just, or like a few, and you induce crazy vomiting, and that gets you no. to the sick bay where you obviously you have something set up, you know, you've bribed someone in the sick bay, yeah. and then you escape 
I think I watched that on like Prison Break. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. Okay, so tell Sam to eat cigarettes when he finds himself in the clink. Yeah. There you go. I mean, sure. Now you may go get your Bud Light. Off the rails. Yeah. Yeah, this is usually when it happens, but it happened in the first show, too. I'm sorry. Yeah, so let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save some of this stuff for the, the second segment so we can just get to more questions with JC. Oh, let me go get his beer. Yeah, do that while I'm talking. One thing we were talking about when uh, you were gracious enough to host us from the Rare Barrel out there, JC, was just how you kind of see acid develop in your sour beer barrels and how you guys troubleshoot kind of controlling acidity. What's What's been your experience with that? and? What tips can you share with with the listeners about how to approach that? You know, it's going to be dependent on what you're using for uh, for fermentation. When when you introduce lacto and or PDO, let's see, it's you know fairly common, straightforward, qualitative information to say alcohol uh, levels depress lactic acid formation for for lacto. Um, as do um, BU, and you know, depends on how much you've conditioned your your lacto strains to be tolerant or intolerant of bittering compounds. So, you know, how how we've approached it, you kind of it, it's very difficult to get particularly large batches to land exactly where you want them from a pH and total acidity and kind of perception of sourness standpoint. I think uh, the one thing that we've learned is that we we really do need to to kind of have sufficient quantities of blending beer on hand so that we can make those little adjustments up and down as necessary to get it to land where we want it to be. And we didn't have that when we first started. We kind of had the batch, and it either was where we wanted to be, uh, or it wasn't. And we either we had to decide to move forward or just hold on to it and blend it out later or uh, bite the bullet and put it down the drain. So that is uh, kind of a non-specific way to, to think about souring, I guess, as, as a kind of a singular element. So bittering compounds, alcohol levels, and uh, make sure you got some uh, some blending beer on hand. And speaking of blending, what does that look like at Trillium? You know, I think there's some brewers who go from, hey, I'm, you know, sort of the person in charge, and I'm. I need to taste every barrel myself, and I'm going to decide the blend. Versus, hey, I've got a big team, and you know, we're we're tasting it all together and making group decisions. What what's your process there, and how do you approach blending overall? So we've really grown our uh, our wild program. So uh, Bogdan is is our man. You met him. He's kind of leading up the the team there, and everything always still funnels through. Um, our QAQC uh, team led by Burke. So I think the team uh, has come to really, really understand and appreciate where my head is for uh, individual beers where I expect them to be in the process and will kind of reflect a lot of stuff that, that I've kind of worked with them on intuitively. And if anything kind of falls, uh, is any kind of question at all, they'll, they'll, they'll kind of bring me in and ask questions to kind of steer it in one direction or the other. I'll do a lot of the, I guess you could say, pop quiz type of stuff too, where I'm just like, I just got a burning need to know where things are and we'll, we'll try to, we'll, we'll loop into the sensory panel and, um, and go from there. But, you know, we've got sensory panel three times, um, effectively three times a week. And um, we've got 
things scheduled so that um, we have a general comfort level of where things are. We don't rely on sensory alone. There's a lot of quantitative tests that, that need to be done that we can then correlate to, uh, to sensory panel. I think one thing that we talked about, Jay, is that there is significant sensory drift with repeated exposure to stuff, whether that's violence in movies or, or uh, sour <laughs> beers. You know, the more you get exposed to the stuff, the kind of the, you know, you, you perceive things uh, in a different way. So those quantitative measures uh, through lab analysis are very, very useful tools for us. You ever experience it working the other way with somebody's palate or, or sensibilities where they become like, either the same or maybe they're the experience more at you know what i'm saying like does it ever work in the other direction yeah of course i mean sort of um people who either haven't been exposed or you know it's kind of first being introduced to these kinds of beers some of the beers that um and people have been drinking sour beer for a while and we we put what we think is a pretty tame barely sour beer in front of you who's never had them before and you know they they scrunch up their face pretty quick so i remember that when i you know when when i first started drinking sour beers too it was it was pretty overwhelming um a lot of times and then you know it just changes with time but ultimately i think where i am now um i i continue to to really appreciate the full spectrum um of all beers so that's that's certainly one of our um our big goals is to kind of really be able to to have that um, all, all, you know, when you, when you come to visit us, we're gonna we're gonna have that 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 full spectrum, because you know, different beer, different situation, different you know, seven minus seventeen degree Fahrenheit day to sixty five <laughs> degree Fahrenheit day, you're just gonna want a different beer, um, different meal, uh, different group of friends. You know, you're gonna have one beer, you're gonna have six. It, it's no, I'll always see food. Always see food. Jay always wants to hang Seafood out with towers, his friend and eat mahi mahi. Or, or if JC takes you out, you'll be eating weird livers and other intestinal oh, things. Oh, did he make you eat weird stuff when you were there? Oh yeah. Where did we go, JC? We went to Townsman. Great spot. I loved it. I loved it. I'm, I'm giving it a hard time, but yeah, it was like, you know, I don't eat that eclectically, and then I don't. I don't think JC does either. But it was like it was a it was a true night out and a great great time for sure <laughs> maybe it's just like hanging around with other beer people but because i think we talked about it on the show when we went out after the search for the rare barrel and mm-hmm. alex ordered oh, raw poultry raw for the chicken table. you, raw you chicken. can't serve that there's like less than i don't know five or ten restaurants in the united states that serve that and there's one in berkeley yeah and yeah. alex is like this is where, this is we're, where going. we're going yeah jc whatever you whatever you and jay ate that night was was nothing compared to the raw poultry that a uh, tall alex ordered for us a, a couple of years ago when you come out jc we're going yeah <laughs> No, <laughs> that was, that's that was the correct answer. Too, but, correct but, answer. But, but you know what sold me? Because I was I was like, no chance. But Alex ultimately made this argument. He said, do you think that if people were regularly getting sick, this restaurant would still be serving it? I was like, you know what? You're right. So then I ate it. How did it taste? Yeah, but did you like it? You know, <laughs> uh, that's yeah, the question. you know, I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. It was, yes, I liked it. I, I don't know if I'd like order it again. Did I, you uh, like it or did you uh, like the flavors they put on it? The, that, the, yeah, the spices. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Look at it. And now I get to say I ate raw You're poultry. You're a cheap date. Raw chicken. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, you don't even got to cook for me. Yeah. It's as good as it gets. I don't know how to make this transition, but uh, we do have another beer open. Yeah, so you got black currants and raw Cuvée, chicken in here? Cuvée or? de Tetro. And uh, I believe... Scott, and we don't get many scoops, but I don't think this beer is out yet. No. Is that right, Jason? What? 
Well, we sent it to you to kind of um, as a, you know, a bi-coastal sensory panel to help us to understand whether this is ready to rock or not. BN exclusive? BN exclusive. Oh, my God. Do you hear this, Bino? Wow. She was stoked on the exclusive until that. Yeah. I'm chewing, so I can't make fun of you to the point that I want to. Vivo's mouth and some raw chicken back there. Yeah. <laughs> raw fish. Raw fish. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. See, well, but that's, anyway, that's no, a different is, okay, topic. Well, how, many, how many other uh, sensory panels have been exposed to this pre-release? Oh, we've tried this beer a whole bunch back, back at the brewery, but... I had yeah. it about a month ago. Oh, you did? Okay. Yep. So it's been well. Well, that's a good question. I mean, how it's been a month and you're still waiting to release it? Like, what are you waiting for? Um, so uh, the cuvee is a beer that we uh, I think we missed a year recently, uh, but we intend to be able to have this beer um, available once a year, and then hopefully going forward, you know, the batch is just small, so small before uh, that we're going to be able to kind of bring out some vintages uh, to celebrate our anniversary. So um, that is the current intention. So hopefully it's it's on a good trajectory for later this month and future years. It's excellent. Yeah, and it is. as being, you know, maybe one of the only people outside of the brewery to taste it at two different data points. From what I remember, and as JC mentioned, I did have several beers that day but uh it was good before <laughs> but i feel like it's more and again my memory might be feeling me it's kind of the mouthfeel is a little it was a little jammier when i had it before and now it's like more refined in a good way i like it i like i like the way it's tasting a lot right now but there's a well, sometimes we'll taste beers together at the the rare barrel now we're a little more refined in our sensory panel and we don't usually speak when we taste but in the early days we kind of all get in a group and taste the beer, you know, when it's at eight or 12 weeks or something like that in the bottle. And we just kind of look at each other and just go, sell, sell, sell. <laughs> and that's the first, I took, took a sip of this and I was like, sell, sell, sell. Like the final it's scene ready. of Trading Places. Yep. Sell. <laughs> but yeah, this is great. Super just like clean in, in the way, meaning like free from off flavors, very drinkable, but but still rich and just so much, oh man, a, a dessert beer that you could drink the whole bottle of kind yeah. of thing, yep. you know, yep. sour, but not brace, bracing, just like right. It's hitting a bunch of tough levers to pull up and down, but it's just like, it's like exactly how much you want of each one for my, for my palate. I agree completely. It's a great description wow. is the, the sort of dessert liqueur cognac-y thing that it has going on while still being refreshing somehow and drinkable, but rich. It's checking a lot of boxes at the same time that are sort of contradictory. If this was the NF in the NFL combine, it would be Shaquem Griffin. That is the most niche joke maybe I've ever made on the show. <laughs> JC just typed into Skype. How does he come up with these references? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's that is so good. Oh, uh, really so is. so yeah, uh, we approve. We 100%. approve this. So. Also, the the color too. Mm. Very rarely see beers this color. Maybe even never. I mean, it's like a deep royal purple. It's dark, but you definitely see the fruit in there for yep, sure. Hundred percent. So I don't even know. Did we say black currants and uh, cabernet sauvignon grapes? Have we just been talking this whole time, JC, and you haven't explained? Pretty much. Probably. Pretty much. <laughs> what? That doesn't sound like us. Anyway, hold the line, JC, while we keep going. Okay, yeah. Anyway. Mute, mute his mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is It is terrific. It's, you should sell this beer. Okay. 11%, Scott. Will do. Well, man. It doesn't taste like... See, that's what I'm saying. It's it, no way... 
tastes like 11% either. Not even close. And and now, JC, you can chalk another one up to the, uh, well, yeah, you, you sure drank a lot when I did the show with you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Developing a reputation here. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's that's. So should, I tell, so I, should I tell folks what what it, what it is, or what do you think? No, no, no just we're gonna yeah, keep go going. Ahead. Hold the line, please. <laughs> yes, please. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the base beer is Belgian Strong Dark that is fermented with again our our native New England microbe culture. All kids in the pool uh, right away. So uh, we do control the fermentation temp in stainless for uh about two weeks and then it goes into we uh earlier iterations uh we we also folded in cognac barrels but sourcing those and the quality has been difficult let's just say so and i i had in in previous iterations of this beer had trouble kind of picking out a distinctive cognac character given the strong flavors that are otherwise present in the beer so now we are in about two-thirds bourbon barrels one-third uh freshly dumped uh napa cabernet barrels and there it sits for anywhere from nine to 15 months or so depending on the on the on how things go and then comes back into stainless on uh black black currants at one and a half pounds per barrel, and I believe we have the the whole Cabernet Sauvignon fruit, uh, including the the seeds and skins and the, the whole deal, uh, at about 0.3 pounds per gallon. So typically about a two month maceration there, and then we've been really where where this beer is um, at, at in its life cycle from packaging to its state of readiness is. Uh, before we made historical batches with the centrifuge to where it is today, it, it tastes like about a year into the process where it's really only a, a couple of months. So the hastening of the maturation and kind of how it's conditioned and coming together is really very exciting for us because um, it, it, this beer has had sort of an awkward youth and um, it's kind of zoomed right through into, it's blooming into young adulthood really, really quickly. I like that. I like the. Oh, you, you muted me, bro. Don't, <laughs> don't ever do. Me, don't do that again. Sorry, I went to clear my throat. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. Sorry. Um, you know, at first glance, you're like, oh, you get a lot of the the deep rich character, and then I think a lot of that barrel aging really does come through. And this is quite a few components to balance, and it's just expertly done. It's that's hard to do. It's very hard to do. I'm wondering how much of the color is coming from what's already in the barrel. Like if it's absorbing or, or if it's the black currants or a combo. It's just such a rich color. I hardly ever see a color like this. Yeah, I think um, I think it's it's really the, the fruiting post. You know, the, the, um, the layer uh, of character that we get from um, the Cabernet barrel is is just that. It's, it's a layering flavor, you know, in, in such a deep, dark base beer, uh, we probably could be able to to tell a difference in a, in a triangle test but for uh for the, the kind of the intensity and kind of that deep saturation that you're that you're describing really do, does come from the fruit there's just, just so much pigment in those cabernet skins it's it's pretty incredible the impact at the relatively low fruiting rate so uh, maybe that maybe that if i can amend my answer from the earlier question Kind of the, the big Napa Sonoma County massive Cabernet grape would be the most intense fruit that we that I could imagine uh, right now. Moreover than the black currant raspberry. 
Excellent. Excellent beer. Love it. All the beers have been great. Got one more question from a listener to read, and then we'll get you out of here with the classic last question. But I want to say that this question and all questions are brought to you by Dr. Lambic and his team at SourBeerBlog.com. Check out the articles on Sour Beer Blog for a great written resource devoted to teaching you how to brew and blend sour beer at home. And now the Sour Beer Blog, is the whole crew is opening up a new brewery and tap room in central Pennsylvania. Check them out, Mellow Mink Brewing at MellowMink.com. And this one comes from, I believe, Instagram. The user is the beer guy NJ. That's New Jersey, I believe. It's not A N D J A Y. Nope, the beer guy NJ. How <laughs> that does could be you and Alex? Well, I know who it is. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, how does your knowledge of process on the clean side with dry hopping and/or wine grape beers affect or differ from your approach to the farmhouse slash mixed ferment beers with the same secondary ingredients? Dot dot dot. Hey Jay. Hey Logan. Do you follow the question, JC? Mm, maybe if you could kind of use a more fluid uh, question yeah. cadence, that'd be probably helpful to Better me. Better syntax would help. How does... <laughs> no. So you have some clean beers with dry hop and wine grapes, and then you have some farmhouse oh, yeah. mixed ferment yeah. beers with the same ingredients. How, do the, how does the approach differ? What's, what's the same? What's not? And how do you troubleshoot that? Sure. Um, I think he's probably talking about uh, a series of beers brewed for a prior anniversary called Dialed In, and that is a double IPA that kind of replaces um, the simple sugars that are oftentimes used in a double IPA with uh, sugars from grape juice, uh, wine grape juice, such as uh, Pinot Gris, Sauv Blanc, uh, Gewürztraminer, and that sort of stuff. So we add that um, with, uh, of course, our house ale, ale yeast, at the tail end of fermentation, typically about 24 to 48 hours prior to the dry hop. And at that point, you know, the simple sugars get ripped through pretty quick by Saccharomyces, and there's still a bit of uh, a bit of fermentation left to go, and that's that's typically when we will add, uh, add the dry hop, and we're able to do so um, without opening up the tank. So we were able to, we've got a dry hop device where we can add it to a hopper and purge and vent and pressurize the system and add the dry hops uh, in line through a green beer loop. So kind of making sure that we capture all the delicate aromatics, not only from the hops, but also from, uh, from the grape juice. On the wild beer side, obviously the biotransformation that occurs with the dry hop um, is very different. Um, and we are just starting to explore that. Uh, I think uh, one of the thing, first things that we did, Jay, when you, we, when you came to visit, was try a whole bunch of, uh, of our uh, double IPAs and double dry hop IPAs. Um, it was tough, to, tough work. Yeah, it was, it was tough. <laughs> it was, it was kind of an interesting thing, though, where with you know relatively similar dry hop rates for some of uh, for some of the uh, wild beers that then did see some of those same exact varieties and had markedly different bio transformed aroma and flavor compounds. 
So there is a very, there's a very much a living process that's happening here that we're just starting to explore. But of course, the, the fermentation cycle on a wild beer is so much longer, and you know it's typically occurring in, in a in a vented situation, so not not under pressure, uh, perhaps even in a barrel. And uh, you know we're, we're really sort of at the start, of the learning curve there. Um, I I am super excited about it because there there are distinctly different flavors going on there. Um, and we're kind of exploring even blending some of our clean fermented, uh, heavily hopped beers with uh, finished wild beer, whether it's stainless wild beer or, or barrel-aged wild beer as well. Yeah, I think that's that's a really exciting avenue to go down. JC, I think we've taken up a lot of your time. I want to get you out of here on this last question. What do you think the biggest mistake in sour beer making is? Um, I think uh, for for us, we had um, an early issue. Uh, probably one of our we may have we have a series of saisons called lineage that again focus on the valley malt grain, and you know we do lineage wheat and lineage rye, lineage spelt, and so on and so forth. So one of our earlier batches, we uh, primed and packaged, and you know you wait two weeks, not quite there, four weeks, it's carbonated, um, taste ready. You pull a bottle off the top of the palate, and um, everything t- tastes great. Uh, no kind of weird, funky off flavors. Doesn't taste awkward. It's, it's kind of no THP and ready to rock. Everybody's high fiving. Everybody's uh, celebrating. You know, one, one of our first batches of barrel aged saisons all going really well. Sell, and sell, sell. you start getting phone calls and you start getting emails about the quantity of THP in some of the balls that they had. So um, a big mistake is not sampling, uh, pulling out representative samples across the entirety of the batch. And that situation we had um we had some bottles that were in the middle of that palette that we now of course stack with open palettes to make sure we got even temperature dispersion to make sure that uh beers are coming up to temperature evenly and all the microbes are kind of uh conditioning through uh those metabolic byproducts in an even in even sort of way so um it's really just, uh, uh that was really an example of kind of thoughtful quality control and kind of trial by by error and fire there is that the first time we've had that specific answer yes and i'm glad answer. because yeah. it's an excellent piece of advice yeah. especially like the open middle to stacking a palace or like uh, imagine like almost like a donut bunch of donuts stacked on top you want to keep the middle open especially if you can get some airflow through there as well at the rare barrel i think we've been lucky to have pretty good consistencies throughout um our bottles but we stack them all up in cages but a lot of people are stacking them up in um case boxes sometimes and that can insulate which can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing in some cases just so. remember that it's a factor yeah it is yeah. a factor so i think that's excellent advice jc um, Thank you. Where where can people buy your beer? Everywhere, right? It's readily available. Never sells out. People can, can just go down to their local store and get it. Yeah. So we um, we've got our original small brewery uh, on Congress Street in Fort Point Channel in Boston, and we're open both there and our newer spot in, in Ken. Uh, we've got uh, we've got our retail shops open in both spots. Actually, seven days a week now. Um, no tap room in, in Boston just yet. We're actually building a brewery in that same neighborhood in. Point and that's looking like uh, late summer at this point. Pretty excited about that because you know how many times we've we've had to turn folks away at our original spot and we do not have a tap room there. We do have one in in, in Canton, but it's been 
it's <laughs> it's to regularly disappoint people on a daily basis has been really tough for five years now so understandably people expect to be able to have a beer when they come visit a brewery and we are not able to accommodate that but we do um we still are selling about 95 plus percent of our beer out of those two locations and then it's just sort of a handful of uh of our restaurant partners um mostly kind of within the the boston metro area and then a couple outside of the city like armsby abbey and worcester that are uh, nice enough to to pour our beer on draft so if we were to open up a earmuffs, Jay, if we were able to open up a hop grenade, let's say, in, in, in Massachusetts, how much beer is there? Like, can you get new accounts with you? Uh, no. <laughs> we have, <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> we have a bit of a, of a wait list right now, and it, it would not be right for, for you to leapfrog all those folks who have been patiently waiting. I would love to go back uh, in the uh, DeLorean and uh, speak to you know Ken Grossman in 1982 and explain to him that there are way way more people that want to buy your beer than you have to give and it's just the opposite problem yeah. I'm sort of under no illusion that that's going to be the always the way it's going to be for us we are we'd be happy to send more beer out but we're also not necessarily under the we don't really have a driving force to become um, regional or certainly not national, but not, not even necessarily um, statewide. I think there's a lot of broken pieces within the distribution process and and, and kind of how, how beer is handled and what is best for the beer is not necessarily how the world operates right now. It's just kind of yesterday's model. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to improve quite a lot. And I think people have come to recognize that the beer that you might be able to get at a, that you can get at a brewery, there's a good chance that it can be in, in much better condition than um, at warm on a shelf uh, in the, in the sun uh, at a, at a shop. It's certainly not the rule, but it's certainly something that's changing right now. Well, what's not changing, Scott, is the great quality beer that's coming out of Trillium. And that's why they can sell it all in Massachusetts and they don't have to give you beer because right. people are banging down their doors. And there's a reason, <laughs> JC. It's because you're a great brewer. you got a, an awesome staff. You're a wonderful host. And uh, you and Esther are just terrific people. I, I, we had the best time out there. And if you listeners are out there ever anywhere near Boston, and I mean I mean that like on the East Coast, if you're in Miami right now, start driving up to Boston, <laughs> even though it's cold sometimes. Sometimes it's 60. So you never know. go up there and get some awesome Trillium beer. That's very nice. Thank you. Well, thanks, JC. We'll, uh, we'll let you go so you can go to bed. And, uh, yeah, I hope I see you soon. Are you going out to the Craft Brewers Conference? I'll see you there. Awesome. We'll get some beers. I owe you a million, yeah. probably. <laughs> Thanks for sending the beers, JC. They were they were terrific. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, grab me a seafood tower out right there. <laughs> <laughs> Nashville famous for their seafood towers. So. Sure. Yeah. All right. See you, JC. Cheers, man. What a show. All right, JC. Well, hey, we still got a little little more show to go now that we're. Uh, that wasn't the full show in one segment. No, there. No, it seems like it, but <laughs> yeah, we kept along. Uh, big ups to, to JC Trillium Brewery is just seriously one of the best breweries in the world and if you guys ever have the opportunity go check them out all right i think we should get to a break but before we do i want to thank uh, another sponsor wine and hop shop 
Yeast.com. It's where to get your sour beer, wild yeast, and bacteria. From Omega Yeast and Giga Yeast, most items are going to ship within 24 hours. And best of all, be in listeners in the continental U.S. Get a flat $8 shipping rate on orders under 25 pounds. Just enter BN Shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart, and the discount will be taken off after checkout. The Wine and Hop Shop, Wine and Hop. Dot com. Maybe listen to other BN shows. Bruce Strong, Dr. Humber, Bruce, Dr. Humber. All right, let's take I think a break. The first sour beer I ever had was probably a Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin, for finding that. All right. At least I look skinny. <laughs> yeah, you do. So. You do. You're thinner. That's for sure. I was joking, Scott. You're supposed to say you look just as thin as you did then, Jay. You uh, should grow your beard more. And well, I was graining out then, and like I would, I would actually like spend a long day brewing beer, manual grain out, manual wow, grain yeah, you're in, just shoveling, yeah. And I would go to the gym on the way home right. from work. I can't believe that that happened. Were but you, I was 26. Did you did you lift or or do cardio in the gym when you went? Uh, both. Both. Start both. with the cardio, do some lifting, and. Uh, I also live right by, I live three blocks from the beach, so I was like... Oh, yeah. You know, gotta, gotta get swole. Yeah, yeah. Gotta get swole, Gotta Scott. have that six-pack. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> did it work? Off the rip. How, how were you no, with, it did uh, not attracting work. the Orange County ladies? Uh, not well. Didn't work well. I <laughs> uh, did not get buff, and I'm a white man, so I just never got tan. So now I live in the Bay Area. Uh, up here with now you. Now you're allowed to yeah. be pale in the Bay Area. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's yeah, great. It's awesome. All right, off it the rails. It is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, Team yeah, pale. We're all pretty pale. <laughs> all right, let's take a break, Scott. Yes, please. We'll be right back on the Sour Hour. Hi, this is Ryan Wheaton, the host of a new podcast called Branding Brews. Branding Brews is a show focused on marketing, branding, and design for the beer industry. I have spent over 14 years as a professional designer. As a host, I bring my knowledge to the show to interview other great beer professionals. Whether you're thinking about starting a brewery, already own a brewery, want to learn more about marketing beer, or you're a seasoned veteran, this show is for you. This show will cover topics such as rebranding a brewery, package and label design, crowdfunding, design, social media, plus much more related to promoting and creating a great beer brand. Make sure to check out the show along with useful show notes at brandingbrews.com. You can also subscribe to the Branding Brews podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Again, check us out at brandingbrews.com. This is Avery with Two Brown Thumbs from Jester King Brewery in Austin, Texas. You're listening to The Sour Hour on Brewing Network. I'm laughing because of Avery, but I like this song. What's this? This is uh, Transitions by L1011. Oh, that one? Yeah, I like this uh, last time, too. It's a good one. Let's, let's let it run for a couple seconds. It's a very long so, song. It's And it kind of... As I recall, it's kind of like four songs in one. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You get later, and it's like, well, this is way different. Yep, yep. Every every portion of it is different, and I pulled what I thought was it was, it was my favorite part of it, so I'm glad that's, you yeah. like it, too. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Big ups to, to JC from Trillium. Great guest. Great beers. Awesome. Well, that's a big get, because, as he said, they're selling, what, 90 95% of their beer straight up themselves, and, you know, I think people kind of, like, smuggled the... 
hazy IPA cans. They probably shouldn't, <laughs> but they get around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the sour beers, especially, people don't get to try as much, well, I would as, say. As I was telling you off the air, I got a inordinate amount of staff emails from uh, the <laughs> yeah. Brewing Network Studios staff. Staff, yeah. yes. Where they were, uh, you know, everybody knows the the guests, you know, we do like a, you know, weekly emails from the, our managers and uh, the, the, the Brewing Network schedule is, of course, on those emails. Most of the time it sort of passes by without too much acknowledgement. Everyone is always stoked, but... Jay's going to host again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yay! <laughs> we're going to pour a rare barrel? I mean, everyone is so spoiled, you know. But there are, there are some guests that draw a ton of attention and trillion Everyone was emailing me. Either they re- they replied all, or they texted me. Uh-huh. I was getting, I got a lot of response where it's like, "Oh, Trillium, can we get Trillium beer? Are they sending beer?" Like everybody was particularly stoked for JC. Yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of people here at the Brewing Network headquarters tonight. Mm. So. Yeah, hanging around after their shifts are yeah. over mm-hmm. and sampling yep. and sitting in. Yep, Definitely. yep. You can see why. Yeah, great stuff. So yep. big ups. Go out and see them if you're in Boston. And uh, speaking of going to see things, mm-hmm. have you seen what the free Brew Guru app can do for you, Scott? I know Bevo has. <laughs> yeah, she's, that's a thumbs up. It's a podcast, Bevo. So, you know, that doesn't register. Yeah, I'm muted. What did you eat, by the way? The Poke Bowl. The raw fish, remember? Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Is there a poke place right over here? Yeah, like yeah. Two, two, two doors down. Really? It's going crazy over there. And I it's love good. that. It is good. Yeah? yeah. What do you what's what are the, the fish you get? Mine is so boring. Because I'm still a little skeeved out by eating raw fish. Mm-hmm. You are? Yeah. No. But, so, so, get, so what do you get what's the raw fish that you, you get? get? Like the fake crab. It's fake crab. Oh no. Oh, you don't even get raw fish. I used to, but then I just started getting in my own head, and I was convinced that I was going to get some sort of foodborne oh, parasite. Cool. Well, nice. you, will, you will, but it's no. delicious. It was. It really was delicious. I used to get a mixture of the salmon and the tuna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, now I just get, like, the scoop kind, like the f- imitation crab. <laughs> Wait, so you used to get... So the, usually you don't see that order. Usually you see people who start with the imitation crab, and then they get adventurous, and they realize how delicious tuna and salmon is. Yeah. You don't get many people having the tuna and salmon and then going to the... Imitation crab from there. What what happened? Did you see some documentary or something? No, no. I just was eating it one day, and I was like, I had you know there was there was one bite, and it just tasted a little wrong. Under undercooked. This one is not crispy at all. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't fried. Um, and it, it, it just, I was like, oh, yep, I'm done with that you. That was it. Wow, whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's what about sad. all the dozens of hundreds of bites before that that were great? They yeah. don't, those don't count? Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's and I'm also really boring with my toppings. I only get um, cucumber and avocado. So but I don't like anything else. Is there anything that could ever turn you back around to raw fish? I mean, it's not that I won't eat raw fish in other places. I just won't just eat that raw place. fish there. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. Because no, I'm creeped out. Okay, then my argument is no good. I was going to say, if you get a tapeworm, it's great. Help you lose weight. Oh, God, it'd be amazing. <laughs> Can I get one of those? I know. Like, I like praying for one. Can I have one. two? <laughs> Brew Guru delivers sage brewing knowledge and money-saving deals at breweries, beer bars, and homebrew supply shops. The American Homebrewers Association designed this powerful mobile app to help homebrewers and craft beer lovers explore the wide world of beer we all share. Speaking of sharing, that was a little overshare. With <laughs> Brew Guru, you can effort lessly, find deals, and save money on beer, food, and brewing supplies. Level up your brew IQ with handpicked articles, proven recipes, and trusted resources from the American Homebrewers Association and Zymergy Magazine. Use the powerful Brewery Locator to find nearby breweries, tap rooms, beer bars, 
Homebrew supply shops, pokey bull stores, and brew pubs. <laughs> Wherever you are, Brew Guru will lead you to good beer and undercooked fish. Get the app today and follow the path to beer enlightenment. It's free for iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. Learn more at give me a tapeworm. Oh, sorry, uh, homebrewersassociation.org. And also, we mentioned this on the last show, but hashtag homebrewcon. I'm going to Portland. I'm going to be at what used to be called AHA, but the Homebrewers Conference. NHC. NHC. Oh, N- yeah. yeah, sorry. NHC. It's still the AHA. A- Effortlessly. <laughs> That's yours. I got staff. two in my head about making jokes about the poke. Uh, but yeah, hashtag Homebrewcon. Sour beer panel with me. Biggest mistakes in sour beer making. So are you Check be, me out. Are you going to be going over your your own or or guests? Scott, you got to go to Portland. I have to find out in person. Yeah. Okay. You do. I, it's not like I told you off the air. <laughs> are you, <laughs> you going to talk good on the podium? Or are you going to talk so through? good effortlessly? <laughs> I, that is not going to be in my PowerPoint. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention is uh, since the last show, I went down to. Speaking of. It's funny we brought up that old clip of me at the brewery because mm. I went down to the brewery and we're, we did a little uh, or we're working on a little blending collaboration down there. So oh, nice. met up with our friend Jeremy who runs Brewery Teru. Yep. Hung out with uh, Patrick and some old friends from down there. Uh, Cross Podination. I'll give the brewery podcast a shout out. I went on there uh, in like their company podcast and uh, hey, this is Jeremy from Brewery Teru. There he is. Uh, yeah, so we hung out, met up with some old friends. Uh, so if you if you love me on podcasts, go check out the brewery uh, radio. And uh, I'm on one of the episodes. I, I, <laughs> I had listened to a few before, and uh, they're pretty they're they're short. So it's like uh, 15, 30 minutes, something like that. And then we were on forever, and I, I think mine's like fifty minutes. Yeah, you're, like, you're used to the long form. Man. Yeah, and I was like, "Sorry, guys, I usually come into the the brewing network, and it's like a three hour session." Yeah, we for, call it the sour for hour. Two hours. But, yeah, uh, the air quotes are heavy. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, check nice. that out. Have and, you uh, done a, a collab with the brewery yet? Have you? No, no. So that's great. That's so, amazing. That hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And in case. Uh, we didn't mention, I think it's kind of implied, but for those who maybe skipped ahead, I used to work there, worked there for two, uh, four years, and that's how I got my start yep. in brewing. So great to see all those people again. First sour beer I brewed was an early version of Boot Tart. I think that was before we even had a name for it. It was just Flemish Red. That is, uh, what is the that, background that is music? Brewery J. Do you hear the background music there? It's like yeah. flamenco. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's like you're uh, you're in a lounge somewhere on Kauai. You're going to do First what's the dance? Beer. The salsa? Listen, turn it up a little bit more. An early version of Boot Tart. I think that was before we even had a name for it. It was just Flemish Red. Yeah, do you I'm, hear it? I'm, yeah, I do. I'm picturing... Right, it's like it's like the little uh, the little hula girl you put on mm-hmm. your dash. Alex has and that. And it's, it's yep. wiggling around as you drive. He really has that? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's changed many skin tones over the years because it's just faded from the sun. I'm sure. Does he have a Volkswagen? What kind of car is that thing residing Honda in? Element. The, the square thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, talked about beer at all the segment. I don't really. know. No, let's do. Re- we have a review of the week. That has oh, nothing to do with beer. Yeah, let's continue. Let's do that. Okay. Subscribe and leave feedback on iTunes or wherever. What's the review of the Fortnite? <laughs> Just because I miss it, it's I wanted back. to hear it. Yeah. Do you remember during the Deschutes show? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Veronica. That's right. Sung in the back. We should pull that. Oh and yeah, play it on that's the, right. On, okay, on look, I'll find episode. it. I'll find it all when right. you're when you're going on one of your long-winded rants in a minute. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I need time to pull it. Uh, this oh, I don't mean now. Just like we, so a drop for ah, 
Yeah, yeah. Occasionally. Well, and we need to pay it off on this show, so yeah. I'll find it. Okay, this review is from Pinchy Tuscadero. He says, thanks, guys. I never listened to podcasts before, being a stodgy Gen Y and all. Your excellent, <laughs> your excellent guests and commentary enliven the smelly, crowded commute. I'm guessing he uses public transit. He said the session. It's also is, an English major so far. It's yeah. well written. Enliven. He said the session is probably great, but I don't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Try the first track on Jeff Beck's Blow by Blow album. The Jeff song, Beck. Wow. The song is called "You Know What I Mean." As a rejoiner, funky exclamation point. Thank you for the review, Pinchy. Thanks for listening to these newfangled podcasts. That's cool. Oh, that was you talking. He's branching out. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. You're just the doing guy. the same reading voice. Oh, sorry. That was bad. I only have that was one bad radio. Mode, <laughs> you know, you like you read in one voice, and you got to switch back You're to right. your voice, right. and you continue to do it. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, there's too much, too much inflection. It's because yeah. I'm drunk on uh, on JC's beers. That's yeah, why. that's okay. Yeah, and society pilsner too. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. So <clears throat> let's listen to a little Jeff Beck. You know what I mean. It's a little weird at first. It's offbeat. Yeah, but right, it's good. Right. But it, it gets better. It gets better. Yeah, be here in the it's music. A, it's a building I'll offbeat. Your opinion on this too? Yes. Just, just let it build. Here we go. Oh yeah. This is very sour hour. This is right up our alley. This is this is like the sour hour. Oh, Beef snapping her fingers. She's trying to get the rhythm down. Thing. The strumming is on the upbeat. That's yeah, it's, it's all yeah. off. Yeah. I just expect, like, Beyonce to it's burst like in the room and, and, and say, I'm Foxy Cleopatra, oh. and I'm a whole right. lot of women. I'm totally. a whole lot of women. <laughs> That's a good reference. Thank you. <laughs> and somewhat terrible. Thank you. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? This is great. Excellent. It's funk. Is this still it? No, this is Foxy Cleopatra now. See, sour beer and funk music are kind of related, so uh, just go with it. Okay. Bevo's dancing. (laughs) Should we we do beer? Yeah, should we do a question? (laughs) Yeah, let's do a question. This yeah. is in the bottom five of all segments. <laughs> okay. So and that's that's including rare barrel shows. <laughs> I don't know about that. We're going to try and rescue it with Johnny's question. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny says, hey, Scott, just started listening to the show a few months ago. I really love it. He says, I haven't listened to all of them yet, so I don't know if uh, anyone has asked this question. I don't think so. Jay, you can correct me if, this is, if that's wrong. Uh, is it possible to spontaneously ferment in hot and humid environments, like in tropical environments? Johnny lives on Guam, he says. And he says the temperature stays... I'm sorry. What? What was that last uh, Johnny, the guy who asked him the question, he, he Did lives he on... refer to himself in the third person? No, I did. I was just clarifying. That was... He said, he said, I live on Guam. Did you Guam. hear that too, Bevo? Really? That sounds You should have weird? said, like, Johnny says he lives on Guam. You what said, did I say? He says, Johnny, Johnny lives, lives on Guam. Guam. I did? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. And it was like, you just, you third-personed. Johnny like just a, got real weird. You third-personed a third party. <laughs> is that is that the end? No. Okay. This segment's getting better. <laughs> let, me, wait, wait. Let, me, let me try to rescue with this letter from Johnny. Poor <laughs> and I quote. And he writes, Johnny from Guam doesn't know what to do. 
<laughs> Johnny says, Scott lives on Guam. And anyway... Meltdown. Oh, for God's sakes. I'm going to read it verbatim, okay? Okay. I live on Guam, and the temperature stays, on average, 85 degrees and 60% humidity year-round. Johnny would love to hear Scott's comments. No. He said, I would, <laughs> he said, I would love to hear any comments from you guys on, uh, on spontaneously fermenting in humid environments. So, yeah, what's the story? The humid versus hot, I mean, p- plenty of people do it in bone dry versus kind of more more tropical the temperature maybe is a little better researched and that is that's that's turning on the the very warm side of things i think you know we ran a few spontaneous batches at the rare barrel that may not turn out well at all but you know we were just trying it out and we were in the the low 40s high 30s overnight they were still warm when we came in not hot or anything just like on the warmer side so uh, the beer won't cool quickly. You know, there are some people with cool ships that have immersion chillers. Like, imagine you're a home brewer, like, but put it in a cool ship. Or, as we talked with uh, James Howitt from Black Project, depends on the dimensions of uh, the vessel you're going to do your cool shipping in. I don't know if that's a real verb. It's a verb. But, yeah, <clears throat> sure. Cool shipping. Like a regular half barrel keg could uh, could work well for that for the air exposure. But no one really knows what they're doing. I mean, unless you, 10 years ago, you'd have to move to Belgium, start a brewery, create a cool ship somewhere around what the other Belgian lambic makers were doing, use their exact recipes, use the age hops, use the larger format barrels, use all their techniques, and then maybe it would be good, maybe it would be bad, maybe it'd be the best. There's not nearly enough known for me to say, no, it's not going to work. If you're willing to dump the batch, try it and try changing it up a little bit. The only thing I'll say is, and is, is Johnny a homebrewer or a professional brewer? He does not say. Let's assume homebrewer. So if you're a homebrewer and you don't care about what the definition of a spontaneous beer is, or even like a traditional or method traditional, um, <laughs> You don't have to worry about, hey, you're going to put in an immersion chiller or cool it down manually somehow. That's fine. You can even, you know, pitch yeast if you want to if you're a homebrewer. But, you know, I wouldn't call that a spontaneous beer. For me, spontaneous is totally hands-off, no yeast or bacteria pitched in any part of the, the process. doesn't have to be Lambert or Goose. Doesn't, you can make a... Ood brew and malt bill and make that a spontaneous beer. It doesn't have to be uh, Pilsner and raw wheat or anything. So by long, you were right, I did go long on this, but uh, <laughs> try it. It's going to take a long time. It probably won't work out, but that's not a reason not to do it because I can't tell you for sure that it's not going to work. Other things I could be a little more sure about, like, hey, this is a bad practice, but this is an area without thorough exploration. So so do it. I mean, that's... I don't see why not. I mean, that also, there in those regions, there can be an abundance of microorganisms growing because there's all these tropical fruits growing and wonderful flowers and vegetation and it's lush. So who's to say it's got to be super cold overnight to make this beer great? 
I, I can't tell you that. Wait, so why do you say it would take a long time? I would think it would take a short time because it's warm. Short right? time for what? Well, okay. Well, what were you saying was going to take a long time for the beer to taste good? Oh, I if see. If it's going to turn out, it gets, you're not putting any yeast in it. Well, spontaneous beers traditionally take a long, longer time than a regular sour beer. No matter the conditions. Regular, I say. American-style, traditional American-style sour beer, okay. I guess. Okay. So where you're purposely inoculating it after, like, a primary Saccharomyces fermentation. So try it. So what would you, if you were in a, a living in a warm climate like Guam. I wish. What would you... What would you do? Like, what would your process be if you're like, I want to try spontaneously fermenting? You would do what? I would do it, but then I would artificially cool it mm, okay. the next morning. You would? Yeah. And, until it was, like, room temperature. So you would, like, let it go overnight and then control the temperature during the day? Yeah, until I can put it into whatever vessel it's going to live in. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, yeah, Johnny, try it and uh, let us know what happens. Yeah, send us some. Yeah. <laughs> and invite us to Guam. I'll come. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a beer. Let's take a break. All right. We'll be right back getting Bevo out of here. Bevo? <laughs> Hi, Bevo. On the Sour Hour. <laughs> Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. C'est Jean de la Brasserie Cantillon. Vous écoutez le Sour Horror on Brewing Network. <laughs> One more time. Hey, c'est Jean de la Brasserie Cantillon. Vous écoutez la Sour Horror on Brewing Network. Go, Jay. I, asked, I love it. I asked Jay what he would have done had he had to do a performance. In the front listeners of the, don't know the rare barrels. There was a, a just a little one second background. Yeah, There's yeah. a musical show at the Rare Barrel. We do live music now. Loser of the fantasy, the work fantasy football league yeah. had to perform live in the tasting room, right. and that happened to be uh, my business partner and friend, Alex Wallace. Tall Alex. <laughs> Tall Alex did uh, some karaoke to uh, Clint, uh, Clint Eastwood by the Gorillas. the Gorillas. He did the whole Dell rap part. He also played his uke. So I asked Jay, yep. I said, if you had lost, what would you have done? And he I said, I can't play uh, anything. He said he would have done the Because it's super easy to play on guitar. And you just go like. 
this. Great. That would have been good. All right. Next, next year I'll lose. <laughs> I love that song. I probably came in like 10th. <laughs> I love Bush. That's a drop. Can I get a clean take, please? No. <laughs> Leave it, right. Leaving it there. Yeah. I dip. Don't let a dip go by. I dip in. The smart water testing kit incorporates a revolutionary photometer system. Is that good? That was awesome. <laughs> that actually was great. That was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> this song sucks now. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> I would say I missed the previous band, but I don't want to have a drop <laughs> like Bevo just happened. <laughs> I love Bush. Uh, yeah, it's the first. <laughs> You've got that. <laughs> it's the first and only one on the market with its own app. Homework commercial use. These last two segments are going in the Sour Hour <laughs> Hall of Fame. It takes great water to make great beer. It's got the ability to test over 40 different water quality tests. Four come preloaded and more available. Total alkalinity, chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and much more. Brewing Network special. Podcast listeners enter code TBN10 at checkout. And save $10 on the either standard or advanced smart brew test kit. Order now and make this futuristic part of te- futuristic technology part of your brewing process to smartbrewkit.com. I love Bush. <laughs> okay, so I would like to discuss briefly the rare barrel beer that's in my glass. Okay. So you guys are heading. All right. Did you make any tart saisons in the first couple of years? Are these a, uh, are like a semi-recent addition of the lineup? We didn't classify them that way, but no, no, yeah, no, not really. So that's what's in my glass. What did you classify them as? Golden sour beers. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I think this beer is really flavorful. This is Rhodes Diverge, bright condition, tart saison, nice little hop character. Just gives you like a splash of kind of that old European kind of tart saison thing with uh, an American twist, and it's very drinkable, light acid. I can put that back. At least. Yeah. Yeah. And you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, so could I. So, as I was telling you off the air, if I had this beer at a, you know, if I didn't know what it was or the story behind it, I would assume that the tap house poured it improperly, because it's a little light on the on the carbonation. Carb's a little light. It's, it's in, uh, still in keg conditioning. It's probably going to pick up a, a decent amount more. This one is, is it's a little bit low, but not of concern. Less burping. I have a question oh, about the. Uh, that's messed up. I, well, I have several questions. Yeah. One is what was different about this bottle conditioning? Was there something different? Well, it's a keg, so oh, we don't sorry, condition sorry, our kegs. We usually force carb. Yeah, okay, and right. So was there instead of different? using like a our regular bottle conditioning yeast, which is a wine yeast, we use Brett and. That'll take a little bit longer and develop more character with age. So um, that explains kind of okay. kind of a lot. Makes there. perfect sense. Yeah. So now, so you think that this will, it'll be a finer carb, but it will grow more carbed with time. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. So I, the next question then is, given your like really strict quality control practices, why was this released? Like, in other words, was it an early release, or do you, do, do you wish you would have taken more time? I don't, or, I don't like, think so. I've t- I tasted on draft at our place and seemed fine to me. This this is a little low. 
So I'm not sure if there's maybe a slight keg to keg variation, hmm. which is, you know, not out of the question. So we did try, you know, several kegs. So it's it's a it's a small experiment. We're only giving it to people we really don't like. So <laughs> well, thanks. We for some reason got five Ks. Huh? Thanks, but it's really tasty. So it's yeah, it's terrific. So if no other factors were a factor, mm-hmm. would you wait longer to release it, or do do you like it as is? I like it as is. So, I mean, our, our early beers were certainly like this level of carb. Mm. Oh, were they for really? Sure. Oh yeah. Well, but this was the this is the first Brett conditioned. For keg, for kegging, yeah, yeah. First prep condition. Why, why, why did you do that with this particular beer? Uh, we wanted to see how much flavor we can drive out of it, and I think we drove a lot out of this. Um, it just creates unique aromatics and flavors that we don't seem to be able to get in primary fermentation, secondary fermentation in a barrel. Um, some something about you know capturing it in the bottle under pressure. It's something we've talked about on this show with several of the guests. It's been talked about on the session. You know, just something about capturing it in the final vessel seems to trap in the, the aromatics, maybe stress out the bread. But it's a lot of interaction with the hops as well, I think. So and the bread is stressed because? Because uh, it's under pressure. Oh, the pressure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it really wants to, all, all microbes kind of want to just go free. No temperature control, no pressure unlimited carbohydrates, all that stuff. But sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to produce the flavors you want them to. Right. It's a, it's a balancing act. Hmm. So will you use bread conditioning in the keg on future beers? Like, how will you decide? Yeah, I think so. I love the way this beer tastes. Okay. So um, what beers will we do it with? Yeah. I, I think we'll play it by ear a little bit. I think the beers that have more secondary ingredient influence will be later if we ever if we ever do those, just because maybe some of the subtleties you taste in this beer will get lost in a beer with a lot of fruit or a lot of spice, something like that. Not that you know we're overdoing it. It's just there's some subtleties in here that maybe you wouldn't be able to to taste all the time. Are there other forms of almost done conditioning that you haven't done yet? Like, I'm surprised to hear you say, like, oh, yeah, we bread conditioned in the keg. We haven't sure, done that yeah, before. Um, what other versions of that are there? When we are talking about the spontaneous question in the last segment, you know, one thing I believe that defines spontaneous beer is no yeast or bacteria added intentionally. So one point of conflict there is, well, maybe that means you do a cool ship and then you age it in an oak barrel is there yeast in the oak barrel residual? Well, then you should really try to clean it all out. So you're not like air quotes cheating to get it to be spontaneous or then you age it and you bring it back into bottle and then you add sugar and yeast to bottle condition. Is that a spontaneous beer? I don't know. I don't presume to be the authority on that. And I shouldn't have even said cheating before. Cause that's not, I don't really feel that strongly about it, but you asked, what type of conditioning have we not done? You know, goose producers will take young lambic with some amount of residual sugar still left in it and add that as the source of fresh yeast and back, fresh yeast and sugar to condition older lambic to make goose. And that's not something that we've done. So we add sugar, fresh yeast to our bottles to condition them and... I think that that happens mo- a lot faster for most breweries than the true traditional method of making goose 
which is basically starting like a whole new sour beer in the bottle after all that waiting. It's like, it's not a great start. Something that kicks off right away. Oh, two weeks later, you're going to have a carbed up beer. No, because it's complicated carbohydrates and yeast that is probably healthy, but it's mostly probably mostly wild yeast, a yeah. lot of bacteria. So it's problematic. You need to give it a lot of time. So that's a that's a conditioning method that we have not used yet. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. You know, there's a lot of uh, confusion out in the gen pop with goes. You've been to prison. <laughs> yes. So why are you so surprised <laughs> when I said the cigarette thing? Oh, I wasn't. Okay. No, I, I you acted to, surprised. I had to pretend I was surprised because my you operations Bevo, manager yeah. was here and I had to okay. play it close to the vest. You know? Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, that uh, goes and goose. Very confusing to people. People don't know the difference. Oh, yeah. That is that is unfortunate. Well, it is. And, and that's, I mean, I'm talking about like a semi-tuned-in populace. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're like interested enough to know those terms. Yeah. Uh, and this came up the other day I, when I was down in L.A. with my with my brother, and we were out at the, the L.A. County Museum of Modern Art. Humble that, brag. <laughs> that has, a, <laughs> that has a, a little bar right outside. Uh, they have like an espresso bar and then a bar bar. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Have you really? I saw. Oh, I saw a celebrity there. Who did I see? Shit, I'm not going to remember. Keep going. Beyonce. No, no, it was like a B plus celebrity. Can't remember. Did you just look in a mirror. Story bomb. Hey, that's G from the Sour <laughs> Hour. <laughs> that's like a G plus. It's past F. But anyway, so that bar, it's like it's it's basically all outside, but they have the big bar under the overhang right outside the lac. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, very so nice. It is a yeah, really nice spot. So, but anyway, we they have a really nice little craft beer selection, and I saw in the cooler there was a can of Anderson Valley Blood Orange Goats, which I ordered uh, the second I saw it, and uh, the bartender was like, "Here's your goose." And I was like, Ooh. oh, uh, which is... Did always, you say something? Well, I, we got into a conversation, but no, but I didn't want to be the, like, well, actually, I didn't want to be that guy, you know? <laughs> that's the next BN podcast. of all the <laughs> well, BN actually. listeners out there who are like, that's exactly who you are at Moscow. <laughs> Believe it or not, I really am not actually that guy in public, but but it, but in this case... <laughs> Unconfirmed. <laughs> but in this case, uh, the, it came up very organically, and my brother brought up something, and the guy was like... Oh, is this? Are there? He's like, that's yeah, a ghost from somewhere else. And I ended up explaining to him. Even I swear to God, it was not pretentious. I swear, I'm really conscious of that. Uh, I ended up explaining to him the difference between ghost and goose because he asked. He was like, Oh, I thought they were the same thing. And I explained mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. I was like, and I, I, I felt very knowledgeable. Goose like, doesn't come in a can. Yeah, there are no can gooses, man. Uh, but <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Hashtag can goose. Rare barrel can goose. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, just I just wanted to let you know that, that that a public relations campaign that might need to be waged in the uh, casual but interested observers of craft beer yep. is the difference between goes versus goose. I think that's nice. Yeah, hashtag goes versus goose. I remember who I saw. Who? Nick Kroll. Who is that? Comedian. Nick Kroll. Uh, it sounds familiar, but I he don't. He's in know. the league. He's got his own show. Spending some movies, bunch of TV shows. Oh yeah, yeah, the guy with the glasses mm-hmm. and the dark hair from the. I know yeah. that guy. Yes, I saw him at the, that exact LACMA cafe. Rodney Ruxin from the league. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, you did? No kidding. Yeah. Was he sitting at the bar? Uh, he's sitting at a table like thirty feet away. No kidding. And I was like, 
Oh, yeah. I, I'm obviously into fantasy football, so I was like. Oh, for sure. And I, I would recognize him, too, if yeah. I saw him. Oh, yeah, for I sure. that guy. Yeah, that was great. Good times. Another homo break. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, visit the LACMA and possibly run into Jay or Nick Kroll. And let's finish the show out with an email from Steve. Okay. Steve says, hey, Scott, I love the sour hour. I'm another one of those guys that is re-listening to the podcast for a second time. That's wow, awesome. thank you I, very I, much. I love people who listen closely. Yeah, thanks, Steve. He said, I started homebrewing last year and now have a small sour mixed fermentation section in my brew room that seems to be getting bigger each month. Good on you, Steve. He says, what's funny is that I thought seven glass carboys would be plenty when I was brewing clean beers, and I now realize that's not even close to enough for <laughs> Sour's first world problem, I guess. Yeah. He said, I have a million questions along the way that have mostly been answered on one show or another, so well done. Or Milk the Funk always has a quick response, so good mm-hmm. shout-out for Milk the Funk. The one question... I'm holding off on and asking on the internet, though, has to do with one-gallon Brett starters. Jay has frequently talked about those. He said, I've got a house jug that contains a lab pitch of Y-E's Brett L and three or four other dregs from bottles I could find around here. He's up in Edmonton Oilers country, he says, who he's in Alberta, Canada. He said, so with all the talk of purging and removing oxygen from sour beers and home brewing, is it okay to let air into the jugs or Erlenmeyer flasks with dregs that contain bacteria? Wouldn't this cause acetic acid? acid or other flavors, other off flavors, that would be passed on to a beer down the road. I got a little confused. I thought you were talking about, I thought he was saying, I had that jug, but now I'm on, he's (laughs) got the Brett L jug with other stuff. Right. So if you think about it like a yeast starter, so you're going to maybe decant off the beer portion, feed it with some fresh wort. It gets all rowdy. It's in a CO2 positive environment. You take a little bit out. If you're a homebrewer, it it is tough to kind of replace that with CO2, but you can try and be as careful as as you can. You know, monitor for signs of oxygen ingress. So you're looking for acetic acid, ethyl acetate, so that's vinegar taste, nail polish smell. But ultimately, if the yeast and bacteria in there are healthy, this is actually a question I've asked myself is, if a mixed culture doesn't make a, like a yeast starter, an ongoing thing, doesn't make a good, doesn't turn wort into grape beer, does that mean it's necessarily bad? I'm not sure, actually. I mean, I think you can see the signs of acetobacter, where it's just rampant acetic acid, ethyl acetate right away, and then that's a bad sign. But over long periods of time, anything exposed to that much oxygen is really going to develop those with Brett and bacteria. So not a great answer. I would say just make sure you're you're feeding it. You're, you're, if you do take something out, you're either putting carbohydrates back in or it's actively fermenting. So it's either about to have a re-fermentation or a fermentation or it's fermenting actively. That will stave off those those off flavors? It will stave off the oxygen a little the bit. Oxygen. But, I mean, honestly, you're taking it out of a jug. You can siphon out. Again, that's it's just so hard to do on a homebrew level. Yeah. Really, it's not helpful, but doing something like putting it into a, a small corny keg is great because that's something you can you have the dip tube. You can draw out of it. I know not everyone has corny kegs or you can put it under pressure and do pressure transfers. Maybe one other thing I would recommend is, you know, you make a one gallon of sour beer, you bottle condition it with that same yeast, and then you just have the bottles. doesn't even matter if it 
carbs, right? Or you can just put like a little bit of carb in there or no carb at all. It doesn't really matter. You just use one bottle at a time. So just it's your culture under pressure. I mean, what did you just do? You took other breweries' bottles and put those dregs into your beer. Why can't you bottle your beer? And then now that's your dregs. Mm-hmm. I don't see why not. No. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, Steve uh, says, if I can ever nail down a sour, I will try and ship across the border to you guys. Good luck up there. Totally and, embrace uh, that. I'm sorry the Oilers suck this year, Steve. Next year. I missed the Edmonton part. They have a uh, McDavid. He, yeah, Connor McDavid. Yeah, he said uh, he said he's up in he he mentioned Edmonton Oilers country. So he says he's noted uh, that he's up in Alberta, Canada. Yeah, Connor yeah. McDavid's the captain, and everyone expected him to 19? be great this year. And, oh, I think twenty, like twenty or twenty-one. Yeah, twenty. Twenty. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. All right. Let's leave. Yes, Let's please. leave the building. Right, right. Let's yeah, wrap. We're out of here. Thank you. Thanks. Big thanks to JC Trillium Brewery Brewing Company. Uh, big thanks to the listeners. Thanks for all the questions, the call. Mm. Very cool. Sober thanks, Jeff. Jeff. Thanks, dude. Sober enough to dial a phone. Yeah. Thanks to Scott. Thanks to Bevo. Hashtag Gavin Rossdale's banned for life. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to the sponsors. Until next time, stay sour. JC Tetois. I love Bush. <laughs>